Welcome to Real Estate Rewind, the podcast that takes you back to where it all started. Nick Baldwin talks to top producers from all levels and brokerages in real estate about how they built the businesses they have now and achieved success through failure. Now, here's your host, Nick Baldwin. Hey everyone, welcome back to 2020. It's the very first episode of Real Estate Rewind with Nick Baldwin. It's January 8th. By the time you hear this, it'll probably be January 15th. But anyway, it's the start of season two. We've been on a break for a couple months and now we're back with fresh new episodes. And today I'm super excited because I got a good friend with us today, Lana Rodriguez from the Lana Rodriguez Group with Keller Williams Premier in Colorado Springs. And uh, there's a lot of amazing things about Lana. And if you've been listening to past episodes, you know that Real Estate Rewind is the podcast about obstacles and failures that mega producers have gone through to get the success that they have today. Because listen, you fail more than you succeed in any business. And we need to hear more about those failures that help people get to the next level to actual success. Uh, Lana, uh, in 2019, finished with 245 transactions, which is unbelievable. But you know what? It didn't start there. So we are going to talk about her road to that incredible year. Uh, so Lana, thank you so much for being on uh, Real Estate Rewind with me. How you doing? Nick, what is going on? What an honor. Hello, everyone. I'm just so stoked to be here. You are actually one of my favorite real estate professionals of all the time. I personally think that you and Tristan are geniuses, okay? And we need more of that in real estate industry because you know what I mean? And I'm just happy to be here, man. Thank you for having me. Wow. And just so everyone knows, I did not pay her to say that. So <laughs> No, uh, you did not. I appreciate that. That's very nice of you. And I love seeing how far you've come. Uh, you know, you're very learning based and you know, you're genuine and you come from contribution and I'm seeing Lana on stage at a lot of conferences recently at Hyperfast Agent. She was, uh, gave did you give a, you gave a presentation there, right? Yes, sir. So I gave a presentation on the client events. Uh, client events happens to be our biggest lead gen, um, technique at the moment. And I gave about 30 minute presentation where I gave a breakdown of all the events. We host throughout the year, how it works for us, the invitation prep, and uh, it was surprisingly, because I did a roll call, how many people actually do client events, and I was surprised I did not see that many hands as I expected. So I think it was a, it was a good content, and uh, Dan and Carrie are great mentors and coaches of mine, and Hyperfast, you guys, you were there uh, doing your presentation as well, so it was an awesome event, yeah. Yeah, no, I was super proud of you. That's awesome. Uh, what Lana was saying was that most of her business comes from client events and repeat and referral, and we will get to that. Uh, but I yeah. want to really dig down into how you know she got to where she is. Now, if you're listening, uh, which is the only thing you can be doing because it's a podcast, uh, <laughs> you notice that Lana has an accent. So she's not originally from America. She is from Latvia. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yes, you Latvia. did. Yeah. Okay. So you moved to the United States in 2005. You were 19 years old. Uh, why did you move here? Let's start with that. Yeah. Good question, Nick. So moved in 2005, brand new, spoke very, very mediocre English and I came for school. Came for school um, because Latvia educational system is all right, you know, um, and I just wanted to get away. I had a very controlling father speaking about that. And I just wanted to be my own person. And America seemed far enough for me to get away from him. And when I came to America, I lived first year in Louisiana. And then I moved to Texas. And I lived in Austin for almost 10 years. Uh, to backtrack, that's where I actually met my husband, Brian. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Yeah, so that's so you, didn't pick up, you didn't pick up the Texas twang, you know. <laughs> you didn't pick that up. No, I did not, but I actually picked up some Spanish because before oh. real estate, I used to work in retail and we had a lot of Hispanics coming and I just had to had to make my ends meet, so I spoke Spanish, yeah, even before so, I became the Rodriguez. Mm -hmm. Where's Latvia? So, yeah, Latvia is part of the Baltic states and next to Lithuania and Estonia, and it was part of the Russia a long time ago, 
So I'm Russian. I'm Russian descent, uh, but I speak both languages. If it matters okay, so you not. speak Russian, Latvian, English, and you speak some Spanish. Some Spanish, yes. Don't test me on Spanish right now, but Okay, yes. good. I'm not going to, I can't speak, I can speak English. So that's uh-huh. about it. So don't well, worry about enough. me testing you on Spanish. Okay, so you moved to Austin, Texas. You were 19. You lived there for 10 years. And then you started out as a sales associate at a Puma store. And you worked your way up to store manager. And that is where you met your husband, Brian. And Brian runs your team with you. Uh, so you met Brian working in a Puma store. And it was love at first sight, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, I met Brian. It's love at first sight for me. It's got to be love at first sight for you. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Um, so, yes, just to backtrack for a second, um, as, I was, as I was going to school in Texas, I was trying out a lot of different jobs, a lot of waitressing jobs, um, was trying to make a career um, out of dental assisting. Uh, that was uh, relatively well. Uh, but one thing that I always, I always cared about the people, like making the people feel comfortable, making the people feel good. Um, and I, I did start uh, at Puma as a sales associate, actually as a seasonal sales associate. And then I climbed literally a career ladder through retail stores. And Michael Kors was the last workplace in 2011. I was a store manager. And believe it or not, Brian Rodriguez was active duty back then at Four Hoods. And he walked into my store on Black Friday at 4 o'clock in the morning. And that's how we met. Yeah. So <laughs> what, was, what was he buying? You know what? He was pretending he was buying a lot. But in oh. all reality, he saw me through the window. Uh, he okay. was everybody who were walking through and now uh, they decided to stop by. So he needed a reason. He needed a reason to go into this. Uh, he needed a reason to go into the store to meet you at four o'clock in the sure. morning. Sure, I, I believe that story. That's what he tells me. Yeah. Hopefully that's the truth. <laughs> so every, okay. So you met Brian and Brian was active duty military. Um, and you guys, when did you get married? So, good question, Nick. We actually had two weddings. Uh, so, we met in November 2011. We were married uh, by October 2012 because Brian was deploying to Afghanistan. And we just, um, you know, funny fact that he asked me, hey, Lana, are you going to wait for me? I'm like, if you're going to commit, I will, of course. And somehow we ended up getting married when I was just referring to the engagement. But everything worked out for the best. Um, Back then, that year in 2012, I was buying my first property. It was a $45,000 townhouse on the east side of Austin. Okay. We still have this property up to, the, up to this date. Uh, it's a little rental home. And uh, to be honest, I kind of opened up the real estate work, world for us. Uh, Brian was like, hey, you're buying a house? You're so young. Parents buy houses. And I'm like, yeah, I'm buying a house. It's going to be our little home for, for, for the time we're in Austin. And then when Brian came back from deployment in 2013, uh, we actually, uh, we had a church wedding in Atlanta, Georgia, because that's where he's from. And then we ended up buying a quadplex. Yeah. Okay. So you bought this house initially for you guys to live, for you to live there. And you still have it in Austin, Texas as a rental property. And then you guys ended up buying three more properties or two more properties? A quadplex. Yeah. So what happened was uh, we went to the investment seminar, you know, one of those group mass investment seminars. Um, and we were like, wow, I think we just learned how to invest in real estate. And uh, Brian never used his VA loan. And we found that property and we invested it. Um, it had four units. It was four different tenants. And we owned that property for almost two years. Very nice. Okay. And so did you get the real estate bug from that or did you not get to that point yet because from what you were telling me uh you uh, you you wanted to you wanted to go you were still you were still working but you were still working yeah. in retail at this point yes i was so good question nick uh, brian actually was getting more into into the real estate bug where i was just there I was kind of observing not involved a lot um but then this is what happened Army uh, moved us from Colorado, to, I'm sorry, from Texas to Colorado. And uh, clearly I left my retail career. And, you know, I had my own plans. I was closer to be hitting 30. And before I was 30, I wanted to have a first kid. It's just, you know, some of the ladies who are listening, they can relate. And Brian was just not in the mood. He was like, no, we're too young to have kids. We just got married. 
So me and my husband, we had to find a compromise, how to meet in the middle. So this is what he said. If you want to have a kid, you're going to go back to work. And I told him, like, you're so mean to me. How can you do this to me? It's actually worse the other way around. You have a kid and you stay at home. No. And uh, being brand new to Colorado, we kind of, kind of evaluated, evaluated the retail market. And uh, in order for me to go manage the store of the value I used to manage, I would have to go to Denver, one hour drive. I was like, well, that's not really makes much sense. And at that time, we were buying our third property together in Colorado Springs area. And after closing, Brian's like, well, why don't you go and in, get into real estate? I'm like, no, nah, I, I, I don't know. I can do that. It's probably too hard. He's like, no, look, all these three realtors are services in the past. They just did a mediocre job. Like they did not do a bad job, but they, they didn't go above and beyond. Right. And he's like, do you think you can do a better job? And I'm like, well, I, there's some things where I definitely will do better. Perhaps maybe get a closing gift. Uh, my language of law is gifts. So that's why I'm very giving, right? Uh, I love, I love tangible items. So I was like, <laughs> I think I can do this. <laughs> and you know what? Uh, we, we signed me up for the real estate school. And back then, Nick, my goal was just to get my license and get off the pill and start trying to get pregnant, right? Yeah. That was my mindset. Um, but things unfolded very interesting the next year or two. Um, so this is what happened. I passed my real estate exam. Uh, the school was hard because English is like my third language, right? I had to retranslate and rewrite, but I passed it. I did it. And I went to an interview for, um, for local brokerages and whatnot. And for some reason, uh, I got, uh, I, I, say, I don't want to say I got trapped into Remax, but Remax was a be better fit back then. Um, and I joined local Remax brokerage. I was with Remax for five years. Okay, now I'm Keller Williams' agent. I can safely say I feel like I'm at home. Um, but I did not know any better and Remax been a good home for me for about five years. And how, okay. How deep do you want me to go into this storytelling? Well, yeah. So, I mean, listen, uh, you were at Remax for five years, which is kind of incredible because, you know, you haven't been in business all that long and your business was built on relationships. Uh, but before yeah. we get into your switch over to Keller Williams, I want to back up a little bit and talk about. Uh, you know, the fact that English wasn't your first language when you got into real estate, uh, were you at all feeling, uh, you know, uneasy or um, in intimidated, you know, because I know real estate's very local. Uh, I know that sometimes did people, did people ever like not want to work with you because they didn't feel like you knew the area, you know, did your background and, and your accent uh, kind of like give you a challenge in that aspect? Wow, Nick, this is a very, very good question. And um, I mean, it's, it, it, let's be honest, it's just a painful subject for me because yes, I still have an accent. I worked extremely hard to get rid of that accent, but it just doesn't go away. Well, I don't so I think you should, I don't think you should get rid of it. What that, you know, like that, I, I think that your story is very motivating because you, you hear agents, all, you do a lot of video, first of all, let's talk Lana does a, a lot of video, right? So you hear people all the time who are like, I can't do video because X, Y, and Z. There's always a reason, right? But you will just do it, right? And people who don't, people whose language, first language isn't English, they, they can get very nervous about it, right? So the fact that you overcame that, I think is a fantastic story. So what was it like for you to just get past that if you had to at all? Um, to be honest, I still haven't, haven't gotten past that, you know, like I'm talking to you and I'm trying to sound myself professional and slow down, but then deep in my head, I'm like, do I really sound like I'm off the boat? Do the audience will hear me like, <laughs> no, okay, take don't. this foreigner off this podcast. Nick, no, stop it. <laughs> so uh, no, but it, it, it's a work in progress for me, you know, and, uh, it all started when I came to America. And, uh, so in, in Europe, we study English in the first grade. But um, it's a British English. So the pronunciation is not even American, right? right. So I can't, when I came to America, like people were making fun of me. I was called funny names. Um, and it just, it just, it's hard, right? But you will be surprised because I know you just posted on your Facebook or one of the groups, um, like even you get corrected or called out. Oh, by yeah, I posted about something. that. I posted about yeah. it on my, uh, yeah, because, you know, I, I, I have, I have ADHD and, and, and a touch of, 
uh, even though I've never been diagnosed with dyslexia, I feel like I do, or it's even, or maybe it's my ADHD that is in a million different, puts my brain in a million different places where when I, when I write something, uh, I have a very hard time spell checking and I very often have grammatical errors and I just don't yeah. appreciate when people call those grammatical errors out in a rude way when you're trying to make a point and they're like, you know, pointing out where you've misspelled something and completely disregarding the point you're trying to make. So there have been people in lab code agents who, who write posts, but English isn't their first language. And you can tell yeah. by the way they're writing and people are just rude about it. Right. And so I know it's something that we have to overcome, not just in the real estate industry, but in life in general. So when you put yourself in a career like real estate, where like it's essentially your job to be in front of people and talk to them. That's right. something that can be very uh, difficult. And I think people hearing about you doing it can be inspiring to them. Yeah, you know, so this world, I mean, like there is no, no need for judgment. We, we all know that. And up to the point, um, right now, me and my team, we're, we're pretty, pretty high, high in those Scar Springs, the realtor ranks, right? And up to the point when I, same thing, I post something, I misspell something, and I get called out, and I'm like, really? Where's, you're probably going to be doing a deal with me sooner or later. Why would you call me out like that, you know? Um, so it's, it's, it's always work in progress. Um, I just made a peace of mind for myself that I sound the way I sound. I work on it every day. And haters gonna hate, potatoes gonna potate, and let them be, okay? <laughs> um, but this is what I wanna bring up the point. So when I started in real estate, right? Um, you know, Remax, uh, there've been a lot, like a lot of Tom Ferry influence. There've been some Buffini influence. And I kind of started checking out all of them. And uh, one thing what I did recognize about myself is that cold calling is not gonna be, is not gonna be my legion. It's just not gonna be because to be honest, I suck at cold calling so much. I tried, I tried, I tried to slow down. I tried to sound more professional and more, more American, but it's just not my thing, right? So very quickly I realized that face-to-face -face is my selling style. And for anyone listening to this who is brand new, brand new to real estate, and they still haven't found that comfortable spot, how are they gonna grow their business? I truly believe identifying your selling style is very, very important. Would you agree with me, Nick? I mean, yeah, a hundred percent. And, you know, you were saying that, you know, cold calling isn't your thing. And, and you know what, it's not my thing either. Uh, as a realtor, I'm still a realtor. And as a team leader who, who had to recruit uh, from, for KW market centers, I mean, yeah. I personally don't like to be cold called, so I don't cold call other people. And, you know, listen, to some agents, that's their bread and butter and they're great at it and they should do it a hundred percent. Um, yep. I feel that the industry is changing and relationships are, are more important than they've ever been. And what you're doing, you know, uh, it, it, it clearly it's working. I mean, you did 245 units last year, which was what your fifth year in the business or is that your, yeah, that's your fifth year in the business. Yeah, that's our fifth year. Yeah. 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 You're going into your sixth year right now. You're in your sixth year. Um, you know, and you were, you, you, you did, I remember when I met you um, the year before that, you had done 200 transactions and that was all client appreciation, re repeat and referral. Um, did you have a team at that point or was that, that just still you and Brian? Maybe you had one buyer agent or something along those lines. Um, yeah, yeah. So let me just, so the history of the Lana Rodriguez group. So got my license uh, fall 2014. Joined Remax. 2015 was interesting year. Brand new to real estate, brand new to Colorado. Did 31 transactions. Uh, Brian was still active duty. As a matter of fact, he took a command position, which was very demanding. He was in charge of uh, about 200 troops. So he was not part of the business at all. And it was just me. I was part of the back then called a Remax intern program where I had a couple mentors assigned. Um, and they just kind of took a greater split, you know, but it was, it was great. So also the entire 2015, I was pregnant. I was blessed with a, a healthy pregnancy and I worked up to 42 and a half weeks. Wow. So My, yeah, any moment, <laughs> first year, first year, 
at any second you could have had a baby. Well, that was the whole point because uh, I really didn't want to be induced. I didn't want to go to the hospital. Uh, I was just hoping I would just work my ass off and baby would come. Well, baby never came on its own. So I had to get medically induced. True story. The minute my epidural started working, I was on the phone talking to a client. Okay. And then I told myself, you know what? If I have another kid, I never want to be in the situation ever again. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so you, you only did that because you kind of had no other choice. Right? Yeah. I did, not. Hear, I did not like, have I'll, proper support. No. I'll see agents doing that on Facebook. Just had a baby and now I'm prospecting. I'm like, come on. So you did it because you needed to leverage. And that was, I think, probably a reality check for you, right? Well, that brings up to another topic that we will discuss later. Why did we actually left Remax and move to KDAB, right? Because I had my own reasons. I don't know if I'm allowed to disclose or not. But I would like to disclose why I made a move because a lot of people are still wondering why. Cause Remax has been really, really good to us till it wasn't, right? But um, to backtrack, had a baby, went back to work three weeks after having a baby, actually gave up breastfeeding, and 2016, second year of business, 119 transactions as a solo agent. By myself, Brian's still active duty, hired a TC because I was literally losing my shit. I don't know if I'm not to say that, but that's what was happening. No, I mean, you're allowed to say whatever you want. This is... Uh... <laughs> This is a, uh, you know, any type of word you, any type of word you want to throw out there, Alana, that's totally fine. All right. So you, let's talk about, all right. So you got, you, you, you got into real estate and you've done 245 units in 2019, but yeah. how did you build up? How did you, your first year in the business, was it, was that still client appreciation and repeat and referral? Did you, cause you didn't have sales under your belt. So how did you get your initial business off the ground? Okay. Very good question. Uh, so right now, clearly I have other mentors, you know, like yourself and Tristan and LabCorp community and Kerry Shul and Dan and a couple other guys, Sam Karamian. But back then, uh, the only person or the only people who I was exposed to at Remax was either Brian Buffini or Tom Ferry. Well, Tom Ferry was just not my cup of tea. Just could not relate, could not think. But I, I took some of the Buffini classes, went to some of the Buffini seminars. And you know Buffini is, uh, you know, this old school guy, um, worked by referral. And that's what I started doing. I just took the simple fundamentals what his training had to offer. Um, and client parties were one of them. And the pie parties were one of them. And pop buys were one of them. So believe it or not, um, I started started pop buying, started writing handwritten notes. And you know, some of the mega producers may be listening like, this is a bunch of crap. Like who, who has time to write handwritten notes? But you know what? It, it works, it works. Um, and the client parties, it sounded very, very exciting to me. I'm like, well, why would you do a client party? How would you do it? But then um, in my personal case, I had a newborn at home. I was working uh, 70, 80 hours a week, right? And that time when I was able to spend with my clients to do a coffee or lunch, is, there was no time for that. So client parties for me personally up to the date is, is a great avenue to bring everybody together, have a great time, touch every client individually during those three, four, or five hours we host, okay? And I know they'll leave my organization happy, excited, they post on Facebook, they tag, so it's just started working very, very well for us. Got it. Okay, so let's talk about some of the parties that you throw, which I which I which I think is fantastic. So you did you've done champagne Easter brunch, Mother's Day events, family movie night, back to school barbecue, and you had six hundred people at a pumpkin patch and you were forty weeks pregnant when you did that, which is incredible. So let's talk about uh how much these events typically cost you and how many events a year do you host? Okay, good question. So, for example, 2019, um, similar budget for 2018, it was probably $100,000, but that's our major marketing expense. Um, on my team, we did not pay for online leads. Um, the only expense we added last year, it was a full-time videographer uh, because, as you mentioned, video is it. Video is a new thing, so we really wanted to do that. And then we were trying out some Facebook ads where we had hit or miss luck. Um, but clients' events is where our major marketing money go to. So also what I noticed by trial and error events where you can include entire family, including kids, 
have always greater attendance. Um, so for example, let's start uh, Easter brunch is we rent out a big hotel room, uh, complimentary mimosas, we have Easter bunny, we have photographers, and everybody gets a full plated meal. It's either a buffet or the plates are served and they like eat brunch food, you know, what are the potatoes, eggs, waffles, cakes. Um, and people love that because they usually come there from church or from a dressy occasion, they dress up. Uh, so that approximately costs anywhere from ten to $15,000. Uh, let's see, next one will be a Mother's Day event. Uh, I always like, because I'm a mother now, I always like to appreciate the ladies. And for Mother's Day event, we used to do painting with a twist, where we bring the ladies, we all paint, we all drink wine. Last year, I tried uh, Zubi Mimosas. So something like that is, is very, very budget-oriented, and um, anywhere from like $2,000 to $5,000, right? It just all depends, uh, depending on attendance. Then um, when the school is out, when the kids are out of school, so sometime mid-June, July-ish, we try to do a family movie event because I always track, there's usually some kind of big cartoon comes out, right? Um, for this year, for 2020, I really want to do the movie event for the Trolls, Trolls 2. Mm -hmm. So I may have to just re redo the schedule. And then I'll tell you what I did. I'll tell you what I did uh, last August. And it was a spontaneous buy. Clearly, my husband was very happy when he saw the charge on the credit card. But I took 60 of the ladies. Um, actually, it was 100 ladies, uh, and then some, there were some cancellations. So between 60 and 100 ladies, I took them to the Backstreet Boys concert. You took, you, we, wow, you took almost 100 people to see the Backstreet Boys? Yes, yes. Uh, I rented out a party, two party buses, and it was all complimentary, and we had a great time, yes. Wow, okay. Will so I do what? <laughs> no, I was going to say, you, you, people listening to this probably are like, what, you spent $15,000 on a party? And I'm like, yeah, but think about Think about this. You're spending, you either spend $15,000 on internet leads or exactly. you spend $15,000 on people that you already know and they love you and trust you and you're appreciating them. All you need, what's your average price point there? In, Our average price point is about 280. Okay. So all you probably need is what, like four deals, five deals from that, from that party to like for it to pay for itself, which I'm exactly. sure, well, clearly you get because you've done 200, almost 250 units last year. So it clearly pays off. And when you listen, when you're getting into this, don't, don't, don't just go and spend $15,000 on, on an event. Like you hear Lana saying that she'll spend two or three, maybe 5,000 on something. I'm assuming that those big Mother's Day, Easter, those are the big ones, right? And then intermittently, you know, you'll spend a smaller amount on, on, on parties that are just kind of like, you know, just because there's no like official reason or day for it. Right. So you don't have to go out and spend all this money, but what it comes down to is you're spending money on people that you already know and who love you as opposed to, uh, Zillow. Right. So yeah, yeah. you're investing in people that already, already love you. I want to back up a little bit. Um, cause I meant sure. to ask you about this. So in 2016, you did about 119 deals, uh, and you were able to bring your mother over from, from you're able to bring your parents over to the U.S. Yeah. Uh, was that like a huge? Was that a goal of yours? And and was that a huge? Did you feel that was like a huge accomplishment for you to get them over here? Oh my God! Yes, yes. So to be honest, that's probably my biggest why, and it's up to the date. It's still the biggest why why I get up and I go and hustle through. Uh, clearly, I have two little two little children. They're my main motivators too. But to bring my parents here and to provide them the joy of American dream and American life was a goal of mine for the longest time. And um, you know, I, I met Brian and I, I shared this with Brian. I was like, look, if we're going to get married, we're going to have family. It's very important for me to to have this. And Brian was supportive, you know, but clearly it's still my family, so it's my responsibility. And uh, when um, see when I got into real estate. I did not know how it's going to go for me. And no one does, especially if you're brand new. Because you hear all the scary stories that most of the agents fail and most of the agents don't succeed, which is true because they don't persevere enough through, through the difficult times. Um, well, luckily for me, I have an immigrant edge and I just, I just hustle, right? I just hustle, pregnant, not pregnant. Um, and uh, it, it, I knew that with a newborn and real estate schedule, no daycare is going to support my hours. So it just made sense to bring my mom, brought my mom, 
on a visa. I was like, mom, let's see how you like it. Mom loved it, of course. She's very outgoing. Then my dad is like, what the heck is going on? I was like, dad, would you like to come too? And they both came. We got them all legal. They got their green cards. And uh, they were actually living in our basement for some time. Well, that didn't last too long. So we actually bought them a small little home next to us. And this is all they do. Their only job in America is to watch my children. Okay, because I'm a, I'm a bit of a control freak, just like yourself. Uh, most most agents and most well, team leaders are a bit of a control freak. I'm not a, I'm not a control freak. Have you Have you been talking to my my wife? All right, listen. So so you you brought your. I love that you brought them over here, and you're like, listen. Here's the only thing you have to do: watch my kids. Come to America, watch my kids. I love yeah. that story, by the way. That's fantastic. Thank you. Um, because you know. It's got to be tough living, living all the way across uh, the ocean from them. And, you know, uh, you know, and I'm sure that they just have the best time, you know, being near their grandchildren and like, they don't care. Like y you don't matter, Lana. It's all about the grandkids. You're like, they're like, Lana, who we want to see our grandkids. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, my parents just came to visit from New Jersey and they were like, listen, they're like, um, not to be rude. They're like, but we don't really want to see you guys. We're just going to take the kids for four days. And we're like, go ahead here. <laughs> so listen, you know, that's, what's so great about it. All right. So, um, so I love, yeah, I love the climate. So I want to talk about lead generation for your team. Cause now you have a team. You took, you took the jump from Remax to Keller Williams. Uh, this isn't like a Keller Williams podcast, but let's talk about, you know, first of all, why, you made that switch. What was it about KW that you felt you had to be, um, you know, involved in? Yeah. And for, for agents who like guys, this is not paid, paid big for us to promote Keller Williams. Please don't, don't think that. Um, because I've been recruited by Keller Williams for two years before actually I started considering it. Okay. So any information I'm going to provide is completely organic, completely honest. And like, this is what happened. So, um, 2017, 2016, 119 deals, and I was losing my mind, man. I did not, like, the money money was coming in, the deals were coming in. I was still fat, because I, I never lost the postpartum baby weight. I never seen my daughter. I was like, leave so early and come so late, the baby will be already asleep, you know, so I never had this mom time. Uh, Brian was active duty, and I'm like, what? is this real estate last? Cause I don't think I'm very comfortable going forward with this, you know, cause it's, it's, it's been very, very hard. Um, and then somebody was like, Hey, why don't you start a team? I'm like a team. What's a team? Right. And just to be honest, Remax just does not have that support for team building, especially building a mega team or any systems. Right. So I kind of started a team and I work backwards. And I know some of the agents listening to this will be able to relate because Instead of like a first, well, I did have a TC, um, TC, um, but you know how you like start, have an admin, maybe have an operations manager, like for Gary Keller's The Red Book, like that, it gives you what to do. Well, no one ever told me to read that book. And I brought licensed agents, okay? Because I had just had so many leads and I needed help. So I was like, come get licensed and you're gonna get a lead and you're gonna get a lead. And they're all wonderful ladies, you know, uh, some of them been with me up to three years. Um, going strong, but man, I did it backwards and it's been very, very painful to rework and do it the right way. I love that. I love that. I love that. So, um, so you, okay. So you're at KW and I want to know about, I want to know about your lead generation because your lead generation is very client appreciation centric, right? So you have a yeah. team now, what is, what does your team do to generate leads or are they just appreciating their past clients on a regular basis? Is it, um, is it like a pop by every day? Is it handwritten cards? Is it the phone calls? Is it the text? What does that look like every day? Like some agents will come in and they'll, they'll do the cold calling, right? Um, or the internet lead gen. So what's it look like for you guys? So Nick, this is a great question. And like whatever I'm going to share with our audience, it's, it's going to sound Simple, stupid, you know, what is this? SSS, simple, stupid, something else. Uh, but we worked out our entire lead gen through client, client experience and through client invitations to our client events because we host enough client events to be able to keep in touch with our sphere and follow, follow up with them uh, like every other month, right? 
So, for example, we just hosted the Pies and Smiles with Santa event uh, at the office, and that was what December, mid December. Now we're hosting mid January. Actually, next Friday we're hosting our uh, client appreciation gala. Usually it's, that event is hosted in December, but I kind of decided to spread it out um, and start the new year strong. So we just said that to our client base, hey, thank you, clients, for coming to Pies and Smiles with Santa. And now we're starting a brand new marketing campaign, okay? Not being pushy, not being salesy, just being very inviting and open and inviting them to this gala. But as a matter of time, while we invite, we also ask for referrals. We also remind them of ourselves. We ask them if they need anything. And that worked out very great for us, okay? Um, so cold calling, we, we don't do any cold calling. Um, I do have ISA. Uh, started having ISA since last, um, last year um, when I first met uh, Carrie Shul and I attended her Hyperfast. Um, I saw two of her office. She has like 10 ISAs. So I was like, I need at least one ISA and one videographer. Um, so we have ISA who works incoming Facebook leads. But that's not that's not our main main income generator. Does it make sense what I'm trying yeah, to explain? Yeah, oh, for sure, hundred mm -hmm. percent. So I mean, when an agent joins your team, yeah, because now it's growing. You know, what's for what's the main value proposition for them? I mean, do they get mentorship from you? Do they get mentorship from your mentors. Um, you know, what does the team offer them uh, that uh, you know what what that helps make them successful? Okay, so the value prop, um, it's, it's easy. You, they get personal mentorship from me, okay, and I always try to allocate time. And we haven't brought that many new agents yet, so everyone who was brought in, they have full onboarding process. And all I say, you, like, fair, fair compromise is you're going to share your database with me, and I'm going to make sure they refer your business, okay? Okay, great. And, so, you, uh, so they're sharing the database, and then you're helping them with, like, this client appreciation plan, too. Yeah, yeah, because you will be surprised. I mean, like, you know, on an average, average realtor does not even touch, follow up with his previous clients. Like, they forget, okay? They forget. And, like, for example, we just had um, our videographer. He just got licensed. And we are creating this whole new marketing campaign for him, his announcements, right? Um, because even if he, if he announces once, no one's going to remember that. So there are certain steps that he needs to take as a new agent. And we're going to throw him and, um, you know, a welcome to real estate party. And we do these little things that I know that like most, most of the teams don't do because most of the teams, um, they, they bring you in and they're like, okay, here's a list of cold calls. You can be cold calling. Here's cold calling too. Don't get me wrong. Um, but there's just, there's just these steps and all these steps that I, I went through myself, right? Because when, um, when I got licensed here and I knew like maybe, I don't know, seven people, I gathered all those seven people for like either happy hour or like a little dinner. Um, and then our first client appreciation party was actually sponsored by Costco, meaning we got alcohol and food from Costco, and that's what everybody ate at our client appreciation party, right? It was not catered because we were on a very tight budget back then. Um, well, hold on. So I want to back yeah. up for a second. You said something really interesting there that I want to talk about. When a new agent, when someone re just joined, gets into real estate and starts their career, and they're like, well, I don't, you know, I, I don't have any past clients. You just said... You're, you knew like seven people and you invited them to a happy hour. Like that's literally all it takes. That's literally all you need, right? Invite those seven people to dinner or have a game night at your house or take them out for cocktails. You don't need, here's, what the, here's the thing that people don't understand. Yes, you may have had 600 people at like a pie, was it like a pie thing? Is that what it was? You had 600 people yep. for pumpkin pie? You uh, don't, pumpkin patch, yeah. You don't need you don't need six hundred people. If you have it, great, but it takes time. But you don't you don't need it, right? Like you don't need a database of of ten thousand people in order to be successful. Like I I I've sold you know over five hundred homes in my career, but I don't I don't keep in touch with five hundred people on a personal level because I don't have a personal connection with each one of them. So for me, my VIP list is like 40 people because those are the people that are, are continuously supportive and continuously send me business. And you can make six figures in real estate with as little as 40 people, with as little as seven. You just have to have the right strategy. 
You are so right. You're so right, Nick. This is just crazy. I hope some people, you know, taking notes from even from what you are saying. Uh, but ultimate goal for for all the people on my team, it's not about the immediate referral. Our goal is for our goal is to be the company they think when they hear anything real estate. Okay. So that's why if you like, for example, to our client events, right? We invite yes, or our clients A pluses, right? The sphere, the VIPs. But the VIP may be somebody who's never going to buy with you, but they're going to think of you and they're going to refer you when they hear, oh, you need a realtor, you need to use this girl, Lana, or her team, because they're the best. Totally, 100%. Um, okay, so I, I, I'm super, what I'm super proud of you, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but you've continuously, you know, broken through boundaries, broken through obstacles, and a lot of those obstacles, um, you know, you're not like, you're not originally from the United States. You moved over here. You know, it was culturally different. You know, you, you, you were unafraid or at least you didn't seem unafraid to jump on video. You do videos like crazy. They're amazing. And then you were on stage at Hyperfast Agent doing a session about client appreciation. And again, you just like, threw out any limiting beliefs of yourself and you got up there and, and you did it. And so I thought that was fantastic and I was super proud of you for getting up there because that is very, very Thank difficult. You. Thank it's you. It's really hard. It's hard to do. I mean, doing video is hard. Getting up on stage in front of a lot of people is very hard. Tristan and I do it all the time. Um, I don't know if it never gets easier, but I really love doing it. I kind of feel like at home up there, so I have a good time with it. Um, and, you know, Ryan Sirhan was the keynote, and uh, he's a great speaker. So whenever you're doing an event and someone like Ryan Sirhan is the keynote, you're like, oh, my God. Like, right? You're like, oh, my God, I have to follow <laughs> Ryan Sirhan. But uh, I'm super proud of you for doing that. So you're, um, you're building uh, a mega agent office, like a little boutique down, downtown in Colorado Springs. Tell me about that. Yeah, yeah, thanks for asking. Definitely would like to share that. Uh, so coming from retail, right, especially for my last store, it was a great storefront, um, Michael Kors. And you know what? It, it attracted a lot of walk-in people. Even if, even, even if people were not shopping actively for the purse, they would come in and they'll check it out. And it was so chic, right? Um, so in spring and in general, it's not a typical thing. So I feel like this office we're building is going to be a little minor disruptor to our city in a good way. Because um, right now we are... Um, in our KDAB building, we have uh, four different offices. They're kind of all, all over the place, but I want to have my team in one place. I want the client com to come in and be completely wowed, uh, completely wowed by design, completely wowed by atmosphere, because most of the time home buying or home, home selling is a very intimidating process. People already have a bad taste in their mouth because they're worried and they have anxiety, and I just want to like, remove that. The minute they walk into my office, they will feel so much love and positivity. Um, does that make sense? And uh, yeah, yeah, we have been sure. working on it for already over, over a year. The building process, we're demoed one building, actually the video on demolishing that building, and we're going to start breaking ground here, here in a few months, and it's going to be completed by end of this year. That is awesome. I can't wait to come and take a look. Uh, yes. I'm coming out to Colorado, but I might have to come back because it probably won't be uh, – Probably won't be ready. <laughs> I will show you the side. I will show you where it's going to be at. That's oh, sweet! I'm excited for you. Uh, so, what do you? Well, other than that, like, what do you got? What do you got planned for 2020? What big, big things coming up? I know you have a goal of 300 transactions, but what other types of goals, whether they're personal or business related, do you do you have for this year? Okay, thanks for asking, Nick. Yeah, so. Um, clearly, we, we are with KDAB. We're with KDAB all the way, but we're still brand new. So goal is for the team and myself continue embracing um, Keller Williams' ways, continue learning the systems and mastering the systems. Um, because one of the, I don't know if I told previously in, 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 the, in the episode, but one of the reasons, most reason why I moved to Keller Williams is because Keller Williams is known to build very strong mega teams, and that's the route I want to go. Uh, as you mentioned, we ended the year at 245 transactions. The goal was 300, and we were on track till June 2019. 
What happened in June? I lost my operations manager. The man of many hats, he was a great guy. He just had to go back to his workplace because it was a family-run business. And that left me in the middle of the summer, you know, kind of shorthanded. My main focus shifted from being a rainmaker and lead generator machine into dealing with miscellaneous things. So I never want to be in the situation again, okay? And we're on the strong start. We already have 20 under contract, uh, closing in January and February, actually 23, uh, considering we got two deals or three deals under contract within the last 24 hours. Um, so that's that. We started doing um, quarterly team retreats. Uh, so that's been good. Um, you know, just ru running a team is not easy, man. I, I'll tell you that. Oh, and there, I, there, was, there I, was something or someone. It's very, it's very, like there are, yeah. I mean, there's moments where I wonder if I even want to do it. It's very, it's very hard. It's very hard. It's yeah. not all, I mean, it's not all rainbows and butterflies. That, that's why I do this podcast because there's too much rainbows and butterflies talk about teams. And yeah, it's just, no. oh my gosh, it, it's really, listen, it's so many different personalities, lots of different people with whose, first of all, people whose goals are not your goals, right? Like you can't, you can't motivate somebody. It's just impossible to motivate somebody. They have to have self-motivation. So that's one of the biggest challenges. But anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. So my goal is just to grow this team stronger. Um, ultimate goal is to be, be the mega agent, right? Uh, we're, already, we're already in top 10 in our MLS. Um, I would like to be in top five or maybe in top three. So I think, <laughs> I think it's possible. And uh, it was, it was an eye-opening moment to recognize my strengths and my weaknesses personal as a team lead, I'm a great salesperson. I can sell water to the Eskimo. I don't know if it makes sense. Or not. I am a great salesperson. And I am a great salesperson. I am a great salesperson. Yeah. Well, have you taken uh, bold yet, Lana? Because it sounds like you have. Oh, my God. I have taken bold. I, I have love-hate relationship with that class. But I pass, <laughs> I mean, I we all do. We all do. Yeah. So uh, bold, absolutely, especially for new agents. Um, but you know what, like working with my spouse, Brian Rodriguez, uh, he's amazing. Um, working with a spouse has been challenging, so work on that. Um, and yeah, man, just 300 transactions, keep killing it. Uh, attend another Love Code Agents Live event in August. Is it out right, August? Uh, June, hopefully. So okay. we're, we're in the planning yep. stages now. We should have a date set for LCA Live uh, hopefully by the end of this month and then we can start getting it out there. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, looking at Hollywood. Woo, like a, Hollywood. A video, you know yeah, a video. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. We want to do a really video heavy, um, a really video heavy event this year, um, which makes sense if we're in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. And for, for people who are listening to this podcast, if you have not attended Lobcourt Agents live event, it was life-changing. Life-changing for me. Uh, it was a two-day event last year that I attended. Uh, like, phenomenal. I truly believe it's, like, the best real estate conference. Like, you guys and Hyperfast, right? Like, through you, I met Hyperfast. Like, I met Kerishul and Dan Lesniak and all other friends I got in the industry through you guys. So whatever you guys are doing, it's absolutely phenomenal. So thank you. Thank you for being role models in our industry. And yes, please, if you're listening to this, you must attend LabCode's live event, hopefully in Hollywood in June. Yeah, thanks, Lana. E either way, it'll be in, it'll be, uh, in Southern California. Um, okay. So I love talking to you. Um, We've got to wrap up. But, sure. you know, anybody listening who has any, you know, any uh, insecurities about whatever it is, you know, just you got to throw those things out the window. We're in a, in a business now where you got to get in front of people. You got to get in front of the camera. You got to do the video. You got to appreciate your clients. Um, and I like to have these conversations because I hope that it will remove some limiting, limiting beliefs that so much of us have. Um, because most of them are limiting beliefs. You know, it's like you, 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 you either, you say, you say to yourself, I can't do that. And what you're really saying is, I don't want to do that. So if you don't want to do something, just be honest and say you don't because saying you can't is silly because you can. I mean, unless it's like beat, beating Michael Phelps in a swimming competition. But my point is, 
saying you can't is lying to yourself. Saying that you don't want to, that's being truthful. So if like someone says, oh, I can't make a video. Yes, you can. You just don't want to. It's very, very different. You know what I mean? The, yeah. like, it changes the way you think about things. And, and so I feel like, on, mm -hmm. go ahead. No, no go video, ahead. Video topic. So like I do a lot of video um, and now after one year practicing in front of real camera with an in-house videographer, it, it gets better and better. Right. But it didn't start that way. Like it started with multiple retakes of iPhone, you know, iPhone videos. And then you're like, Oh, I hate this. I'm just going to delete this. Oh, I'm not going to post it. But then, hey, I invested in a videographer. I better post something, right? Um, and I still, I still feel like personally my videos are not perfect. Sometimes I sound great. Sometimes I do not. Um, so for people who are not doing the videos, video is the only thing that people are going to watch. Um, people are not going to open the email or people are going to delete or forget the text. But they're going to watch your video because you'll be surprised how many people are interested to hear what you have to say. You know, totally. And, and uh, so we got to wrap up, but I just want to say thank you, Lana, for being here today. It's been a really great conversation. I think there were a lot of great takeaways. If you're listening to this, whatever your favorite podcast, uh, whatever your favorite podcast platform is, iTunes, Spotify, Google, Podbean, whatever it is, if I missed any, it doesn't matter. The point is subscribe, download, follow, leave a review, give us five stars, give Lana five stars. Uh, because that's uh, really important to us. We want to know that you guys are getting some value from this. And Lana, if anyone wants to reach out to you, they want to ask you a couple questions, can they email you? Can they find you on Facebook? Where can they find you? Yeah, my Facebook is very active. Just Lana Rodriguez in Colorado Springs. If you look it up, you're going to find me immediately. And of course, text. Um, but Facebook message will be best, and I would reply to you within 24 hours. And Nick, thank you so much for having me. It was a fantastic time. And happy 2020 to you and all our audience. Yes, thank you very much. Let's make it a great year, and we will see you next time on Real Estate Rewind. Hope you like this week's show. Feel free to share it with anyone looking to improve their career and their bottom line as a real estate agent. And don't forget to subscribe so you'll know when new episodes are posted. Real Estate Rewind with Nick Baldwin. Real Estate Unwound.